believe you're going to enjoy this word. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18. It's going to read from verse 24. Right? Proverbs 18, 1, 8, verse 24. Alright, Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. If you want friends, we need to learn, obviously, to go out and be a friend. But this is important. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The title of this message is On Our Side. God is on our side. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you for your precious word. Pray that this word, which we all know in a way, will not just be head knowledge but revelation. Holy Spirit, be the teacher this morning, I pray. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give us ears to hear, Lord. All those who hear this message, may we all be instructed, encouraged, and strengthened to serve you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Praise God. On our side, this last rugby season, I spent a bit of time watching rugby. When we win. <laughs> When we lose, I switch off the phone. But anyway, some of these guys are massive. For example, Eben Etzebeth. Do you know the man's 2.03 meters tall? He wouldn't be able to fit through that door. Do you know that? He'd have to duck to go through that door. He's massive. Weighing 122 kgs. Oh, my soul. Even in my great expansion mode, I didn't even touch that. But these men are massive, and then they get angry. Oh, my soul. But when I see these massive men on the rugby field, the thought that goes through my mind is, I'm so grateful they're on our side. <laughs> I'm so grateful we're not playing against them, you understand? The other big men then as well, but I'm so grateful that they're on our side. And the core of this message is the fact that, did you know, God is on our side. God is on our side. Now, that might seem very strange. You might say, well, everybody knows that. But do we really know that? You see, the enemy's task is to try and make you and I think that somehow it's just me. <laughs> when I have that mode, that's when I throw a nice fat pity party. You know? <laughs> but you see, throughout the Bible, we find very many instances where people we could really understand how they would feel totally on their own. And yet, in the end, God is on their side. Always was on their side. Let's just go to dear old Job. Now, my soul, this poor man has been so misunderstood. 
It was a young man who said to me, he wants to get closer to God. And he started by reading the book of Job. I said, if you want to get close to God, and if you must read the book of Job, read the end, not the beginning. Amen. Because it starts off very sad. He loses everything. His whole family gets wiped out apart from his wife. He loses all his resources, his flocks, everything gets taken away. And then he loses his health. He breaks out in a whole lot of sores. And there he is, lying on the ground with a broken piece of pot. And he's scraping his sores. On top of that, his wife turns around to him and says, Curse God and die. Very encouraging spouse, hey? Curse God and die. Now that is the one side of the story. But go to the end, chapter 40, and you'll see what does God do. God restores double everything that he had. And he ends up with a whole lot of beautiful daughters that were known throughout the land. His whole fortune was restored. You see, at that one moment, and if you read the story very clearly, you'll know it wasn't God that did it to him. It wasn't God. It was the enemy that did it to him. All right? And at that moment where he's scratching the sores with a pot and his wife says to him, curse God and die, I think he might have had this thought, maybe that's a good idea. You see, he might have thought that God was not on his side. But guess what? All the time, God was on his side. And I'm here to tell you that God is on your and my side. The devil's job is to try and fool us into thinking that he's not. You understand? He wants you to think you're on your own. And he's quite persuasive in that regard. Did you know that? I know a lot of people that they are convinced that God's against them. The only reason they don't want to get saved, they think God's up there with a big stick. Waiting for them to do something wrong. Really? That's the mentality. Sometimes we've been taught that. But it's not true. Did you know that? It's not true. God is on our side. He wants the very best for us. Can you all say amen? Amen. He wants the very best for us. In every area. In every area of our lives. Let's just talk about this whole business of sickness. You know, there was this one man... You had leprosy. Now we've got to understand something about leprosy in that day and age. It was incurable. Once you and I were diagnosed as having leprosy, that was a ticket to destruction. Alright? From there on you had to be excluded from society. You had to live off basically the charity of others in a community of other people that were slowly but surely dying off. No hope of any life, no hope whatsoever. What a way to live. The living dead, isn't it? Like zombies out there. You see, and this man had leprosy and he heard about the Lord, the Lord Yeshua, and he heard through the grapevine that people that had leprosy were healed. I can imagine him just picking up, you know. Wow, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. Anyway, he finds out where he is more or less and he makes way to go there. Now you must understand, that takes a lot of courage because you weren't supposed to be seen in public. So you just see the scene where the Lord's coming down from the mountain. Everybody's there waiting with bated breath for the great teacher to teach them the wonderful word of God. And just as they're about to hear this great word, they hear, dong, in the background. Dong. Because the lepers had to carry a bell, you see. 
So everybody, great hush. And what emerges, I can just imagine from the, the countryside is this leper, a lonely man. Can you just picture the scene? And everybody's looking at this and saying, now what? You understand, now what? Our whole entertainment's been interrupted. But God doesn't get interrupted, you understand? And this beggar comes and he falls down at the feet of Yeshua. Now, please, we must get it in our minds, the contrast. Here's Mr. Popularity himself on that occasion, right? And here's Mr. Total Reject. Okay, a leper. And these are the words that that leper speaks. Please pick up the spirit of it. He says to him, to the Lord, Master, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Do you hear that? If you are willing. What was his whole mentality? Rejection. Yeah. You understand? Rejected I've rejected by society. Is it possible? Is it possible that this great man would want to help me? Can you see that? Is it possible? The devil had lied to him. You understand? The devil had lied and the lie was basically you are in this condition because of your own sin or whatever. So don't think anybody can help you. You understand? Let alone God. Let alone God. But this man understood something. He was so desperate. Now listen to the words of the Lord. And please, this is the Lord speaking down the centuries to all of us. If you have any sickness at all, what he says to this man, and you've got to pick up the spirit of it. He looks at him, and the Bible says, I'm willing. But he didn't just say, oh, you know, oh, by the way, I'm willing. No, no, no. Not at all. On his face, you will see great compassion, great sadness, and also anger. Because this man had believed a lie. He was crossed with the people that told him there's no hope. And he said, I am willing. I am willing. Of course I'm willing. You understand? How could you possibly think I'm not willing? I made you. My creation. How could you possibly think I wouldn't want you to be well? How could you possibly think I get any joy from you being in this condition? Do you understand? And then he reaches out and he touches him. Now, when you see that in your Bible, touches him, I recommend you cross out touch. And you write in the margin, grabs hold. Okay? Grabs hold. That word, I've said it before, is actually haptomai in the Greek. Haptomai. You know what the implication is? To attach to. You understand? To attach to. You see? He didn't just sort of, you know, because if you touched a leopard, understand something, you're done for. He didn't do that. He took hold of him. Amen? He took hold of him. And that word is also used to express setting fire to. Can you believe that? I want you to see something. This man, when he suddenly realized, God is on my side. Amen? God is on my side. The power of God was able to just burn that leprosy out of him. Totally just there. Isn't that a beautiful picture? But what kept him away? Little thought. Maybe, planted by the devil, maybe God doesn't really love me. You get it? And it's quite understandable if you and I have been suffering with some form of sickness over a period of time, with pain. You understand? How easy it is to think, oh, well, God doesn't really care for me. You see? But please grasp this this morning. 
God is on our side. Amen? Amen. God is on our side. Whatever sickness you and I might be facing, God is on our side. He wants us 100% well. That's what we preach here, and we'll never stop preaching it because that is the Bible. Amen? If he could possibly be willing, maybe there's hope. Can you see the mentality? What's God's response? Of course I'm willing. Of course I'm willing. I'm on your side. Amen? Let's move on to finances. Let me tell you, when you and I are battling financially, the easiest thing to get into our brain is this. <laughs> God might love the man next door, but he doesn't care for me. Understand? Well, let's just read what the Bible says. Amen? Would you all agree what the Bible says is what God thinks? Amen? Not what people will teach us and say to us and blah, blah, blah. What does God think about it? Let's go to Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35. How precious are these thoughts, O Lord. Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Okay, his righteous cause is the extension of his kingdom. If you and I want to extend his kingdom, we've got cause to shout and be glad. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be made great, in other words. Now listen to this. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Amen. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Isn't that wonderful? When you and I make a whole lot of money, he's happy. Amen. He's happy. He's happy. Don't let anybody tell you from a religious perspective, oh, that God wants you to be poverty stricken. No. Poverty and holiness go together. Straight from the pit. Straight from the pit. One man of God was traveling first class by plane to go and preach. And the people said, why do you travel first class? What's wrong with normal class? What about your vow of poverty? You see, thinking that man of God must take a vow of poverty. Some of them do. You know what he turned around and he said? Never took it. <laughs> Never took it. <laughs> Not planning to either. God delights in what? The prosperity of his servants. Amen. He's happy. When you and I are struggling, he's not happy. He's not cross with us, but he's not happy. Amen. Can you see? God is on our side. He doesn't sit up there and say, oh, well, suffer, struggle. God is bigger than that. You understand? He's on our side. Can you all say amen? amen. He takes pleasure when we've got more than enough. Amen. And even more pleasure when we take the more than enough and we give it to other people so that they can have more than enough. He's so happy when everybody prospers. Poverty does not bring glory to God. Amen. But let's move on. You know, very often in this world system, you and I, especially, can I say, when we make a stand for God, and even if we don't sometimes, you and I find ourselves on our own. Have you ever felt like that? On your own? There's a lady in the Bible which I think is a very, very good example of this. You'll find the story in John, but it's the story of the lady that was caught in the act of adultery. Now, 
you know, this was a setup. Okay, you've got to understand. There was a lady, okay, and she worked as a prostitute, all right? We don't know how she got there, do we? We don't know why. Not for us to judge somebody, but that was her life. Very horrible life, I think, for anybody. Now, the Pharisees, they got, and all the religious people thought, now let's get this set up. We'll just put this great prophet to the test, you see, because they hated him. He put them to shame. He prayed for the sick, they got healed. They hadn't got anybody healed. And obviously people gravitating towards him away from them, so they were very unhappy. They actually crucified him because of jealousy. Did you know that? Terrible spirit, terrible spirit. But anyway, they had a setup, you see. And the law says that if anybody's caught in adultery, they must be stoned to death. That is Old Testament law, law of Moses. They didn't really look at the law very carefully, because let me tell you, that law says that both have to be stoned to death. It takes two to tango when it comes to adultery. Does everybody know that here? But anyway, so now they managed to organize for just this one person, the one party to be caught. And also the law says there have to be two or three witnesses before the person can be stoned. So you see, they sort of thought, oh, well, let's just put it out there and now we'll just say to him, okay, right, now, according to the law, you see, they wanted him to break the law and say, no, don't stone or something like that. They put him in a difficult position. You understand? Now listen, how do you think that lady must have felt? Hmm? What about the fear for a start? Imagine, your life is now threatened. You could be dead in the next hour. You could be stoned to death. So from that point alone, she must have been absolutely terrified. And how rejected do you think she must have felt? Rejected by society all the time because of her lifestyle and now publicly humiliated. Publicly humiliated. Can you just imagine? But above all of that, just think how lonely she must have felt. Can you think about it? How all alone. She must have been very, very, very unhappy. You understand? And here's the beautiful side of it. We all know the story. The Lord bows down. There's a whole lot of clamor, you know, stoner, what you're going to do. Everybody trying to get him to act on the whim of the moment, blah, blah, blah. Crowd, pressure, calms down. He writes in the sand. Do you know something? A tremendous hush must have come over that place. It's a spirit of conviction. You and I come into a meeting and there's a spirit of conviction. Things get very quiet. You can hear a pin drop, you see. And he says to them, okay, that's fine. He knows the law better than they do. Amen? What did he write in the sand? A good question, what he wrote in the sand. None of us really know. I believe he was journaling just to hear his father's voice. We don't know. It doesn't say. But anyway, the point is, he stopped to hear God. Right? That's really important. But you see, the wisdom was, all right, and according to the law, there has to be two witnesses. And the other side of the law is the person that is the witness must throw the first stone. Can you see that? So you can't just wildly make an allegation on your own and get somebody stoned. You've got to have somebody that corroborates the evidence. And you, if you're the witness, have got to be prepared. Very clever from God's point of view, don't you think? To stop people from getting rid of their enemies by accusing them falsely. You understand? 
Somebody else got to do your dirty business. No, you have to be convinced that it took place and that in righteous judgment, you take part in the judicial process. Guess what happens? He says, all right, those who are without sin, you throw the first stone. Gets very quiet. And you know what happens? One by one, they sort of, you know, these loud mouths, they slink away. There's a great possibility that some of them were the other party in this whole affair. You understand? Because they set her up. How do you set her up? You understand. Anyway, so here we have this picture of this broken woman. This broken woman on the ground there, thinking, now what? What did she discover? Despite everything, no matter what, God was still on her side. Amen. God was still on his side. What did the Lord say to him? Where are your accusers? Where are they? And he said, I don't accuse you. Go your way. Don't sin anymore. God was on his side. Amen. God was on his side. You find yourself maybe in a place where you stood up for the truth and and everybody's trying to catch you, you know, try and put you in a box, try and, I don't know, ridicule you. You feel very lonely. It's a strategy of the devil. You know, people are so afraid of being alone that they will agree with other people. You know, that peer pressure. Am I right? At school. Just so scared of being looked at as different, make sure you don't show your phone in public because it's not up to date yet. Sure, it costs parents a fortune. But you see, what is the real truth? It doesn't matter. God is on your and my side. Amen? It's so important for that to burn in your and my heart. When we know that God is on our side, we can make a stand for Him and not be ashamed. Amen? Amen. We can make a stand and not be ashamed. Getting to the end yet? All right. God is always on our side, but there's just one little warning that I need to give, and that sometimes. God isn't on our side, okay? And it's not because of Him not wanting to be on our side. It's when you and I actually resist Him. Now, the Word of God in James, He quotes a scripture in Job, actually. We're going back to Job. The scripture that He quotes, James in his epistle, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, and gives grace to the humble. Now God is on our side. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to have a full life. He's on our side. However, the moment you and I get lifted up in pride, and pride is very simply when you and I rely on our own ability and we turn away from God. Do you understand? In other words, I'll do it my way. I know the Bible better than everybody else. The moment you and I fall into that, we become totally ignorant. Did you know that? I've seen it happen time and time again. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what I need to say is that God is on our side, but we can choose to fight against Him. Amen? We can choose to fight against Him. There was a king, I don't know if you recall, in the book of Acts, he went to visit part of his kingdom and he'd help them out because of drought. And they were all shouting, what a wonderful king, what a wonderful king. 
And he stood up and said, yes, yes. He was just lapping all this glory up, you see. Do you know what happens? He got struck dead and the worms ate him. And you know why? Because he didn't give glory to God, you see. He didn't. Exactly. He got lifted up in pride. The moment you and I get lifted up in pride, God has to do what? <laughs> well, not necessarily destroy us, but step back. God steps back, you see, because he can't help us when we're trying to do it on our own. I want us to realize that. You see, God is always on our side, but you and I can, in a sense, put God in a position where he can't be on our side. He wants to, but he can't. You understand? He always wants to. You know, when we start disobeying his laws and behaving badly, consciously doing things that he doesn't like, you understand? What are we doing? We're setting ourselves up against him. We're fighting against him. Can you see that? We're fighting against him. He can't be on our side. He wants to be on our side. You understand? He wants to, but he can't because we resist him. And God resists the proud. That's what his word says. The moment you and I get lifted up in pride, God resists the proud. Although he wants to be for us, he can't help us. So in a sense, what does he do? He steps back. You understand? In a sense, he's saying, you want to do it on your own? The moment you and I start to do it on our own, we're fighting against all the forces on our own. We've often had that in the ministry where you try and help people and they just say, no, you want to help them, but you can't. You understand? It's very sad. It's not that you don't want to and you have to stand back and see them just go to destruction. Amen? It's not because you don't want to, you see. You want to be on people's side. God, please, he wants to always be on our side. But I know that's none of us here. We don't willingly want to oppose him. But no matter what happens to you and I, please understand this. We've got to grasp this. No matter what, God is always on our side. Amen? And I just want to close with the classic example, which is, of course, the Lord. The Lord Yeshua. Here he is hanging on the cross for six hours. You must understand, it wasn't a pleasant place to be. From the third hour until the ninth hour, that's six, isn't it? Not only the sun, the heat, he'd been beaten to a pulp. He was dehydrated, the blood just flowed off him. He'd been cruelly struck and beaten. Thorns stuck into his head and nails, rusty nails. It's horrific, horrific. After six hours of this terrible torture, and you see, the actual crucifixion was designed to make you in absolute agony to pull yourself up. But if you let yourself drop, you start to suffocate. So you've got a choice. Either you suffocate or you have excruciating agony. So you spend all those six hours going between up and down. Pain and die. Pain. Horrible. Horrible. You're sure on the cross for six hours. Crucifixion. And you see, at the end of it, and these are the words that he utters, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Amen? What is going through his soulish mind? What goes through your and my mind when we go through difficulties? Where is God? Where is God? And yet, can I just say, the very next second, he left and it wasn't long before God raised him up to glory unspeakable. Had God deserted him? No. You see, God was saving the world through him. 
He had something greater on his mind, much greater on his mind. And he had somebody who was prepared to put up with the inconvenience, if you want to call it that. But you see, even he, this is my point, even he went through that moment where he thought, can't, can't. And why I'm sharing that is just to encourage you and I. When it gets difficult, when there's trouble and you're scared of losing your job, or you're worried about what people think, or you understand all the pressures that come on us as human beings living in this life, Grasp one reality. It might be difficult. It's a cruel world, yes. However, in all of it, guess what? God himself is on our side. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. God is on our side. Let's all stand and pray. Yeah.